What does it mean to be a vulnerable Christian man? Walking through life weak and powerless is not what Jesus had in mind for us. It's time to fight. It's time to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We are OB, Sean, Brandon, and Shane, and this is the Hello and welcome back Truth. to The Uncomfortable Truth. We are glad to have you on this morning, afternoon, evening, in the middle of the night, whenever you're joining us. Brandon and I just got back from Fort Lauderdale, actually West Palm Beach. We're playing a baseball tournament there with some guys from Houston who are jam-up baseball players. We've got a group of uh, about 16, 17 guys on a team that are, most of them are really good. And uh, when we play at home here, we have a, a baseball league here we play in Shreveport. Uh, you know, the, the level of competition is still set pretty high, but it's not as high as those tournaments are. And so where we rank on our team, how good we are, him and I, Brandon's probably in the top three or four on our team. I'm probably in the top four, five, or six on our team as far as how, how good we are in comparison Are you saying your brother's better than you? Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> I am. He is a uh, uh, he's, he's – if I'm being honest, he's a better baseball player. Well, the I. older brothers are normally, uh, you know – Oh, my gosh. You know I, mean? I try, I'm trying to be sincere. You are very, very humble. Sean humble, did let it roll. And my goodness, this <laughs> is – Obi is going to lose his mind when yeah, he hears this. Like, <laughs> Listen, you try to be unbiased, right, with yeah, your with your yeah. skill level and where you're at. <laughs> now, if I, you know, I could probably catch him if I put in an hour or two of work yeah. every day. True, but I, it's not a priority. We yep. just have fun. Anyways, when we go to these tournaments, we're playing with guys that are they're they're really good, mm-hmm. and so you need to get some clarity. It's not uncommon for you to be playing against a guy, for example. That were ex major league players. Sure. Many, many ex minor leagues. Yeah. Now age starts evening out some of this. If right. you stay in good shape, yeah. age will even you out. But like we played against a guy named Lastings Millage. You can look him up. He played center field for the Mets in the early two thousands. He was a mm-hmm. first round draft pick. Played against so, him several so you, times. You are all playing st- with some studs. All star. Yeah. He was an all star. He was an all star. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Crazy. So it's pretty as a baseball fan, it's very humbling to begin with that you're you know, not like fanboyish. We're past that in our thirties, hopefully. Yeah. Unless it was like a big time, right. you know, yeah, like a guy like, like if we're playing against Mark McGuire yeah. or you know somebody Bagwell like or Bagwell. Bagwell. Yeah. or somebody right. like that. But it's very humble. Yeah, you get up, and so we're playing this team that we had actually beat in our uh, pool play, who have three, four, maybe five guys that played in the pros. And this dude, mm. this dude gets on the mound. He's probably forty to forty-four years. I think old. we looked him up. He's forty-one. Forty-one years old. I think. And and. St- you know, when you get in the batter's box, it's like, this is my box, it's my plate, I'm going to stroke this guy. Mm-hmm. And after about two full rounds of our batting lineup, it was more like, man, I appreciate you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, you are really good. And I'm I'm thankful to sit in the batter's box with a guy that pits in the pros striking me out wow. and making me look stupid. Wow. Like – for perspective on how good a professional athlete is, which will tie really good into what I'm going to talk about today, this guy, his statistics look like a failure in the pros. In the pros. Wow. Okay. So anytime someone says, I'm going to go pro, you need to really understand that there's like the top 1% and then mm-hmm. everybody else, and it is a huge chasm between the two. Mm-hmm. So he's 41, and he's throwing three pitches. Now, I – my first at bat, I'm feeling good because leadoff hitter smokes a single. I smoke a single, and I don't think we had another hit the yeah. rest of the game. 
to my memory. We only had like four or five more base runners the entire game. And those two got picked off at first base or almost picked off because his move to first base because he was a lefty was that filthy. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I'll tell that that's story another that one. I want to tell that. All right. So you're just – you're in awe of how good – it how much it really takes, which we talk about a lot, to be one of the best. Yeah. And he was like the least best – in his short stint, but he was he made it to the major. Sure. But just amazingly good. So we only had one r- base runner get to third base the entire game. Wow. And it was just sheer dumb luck that yes. that happened. Yes, yes. <laughs> this guy, it was a mistake by the other team. It was a mistake exactly by the other team. It, it was two mistakes, actually. Well, I yep. guess, yeah. So I get up to bat. I, I didn't bat the whole game, but Coach put me in uh, towards the end of the game, and I get, I'm just goofing around because I know how good this guy is. I'm like, hey, man, put it right here. I can hit it. So about the third pitch, he puts it right there, and I can't, I still can't hit it. <laughs> and uh, he ends up walking me. He's just trying too hard. I was like, "Man, settle down, dude." Not telling him this. Was, it, was this guy like super serious, or no. was he like he laughing? Was kind of That's kind of the beauty of it. Is yeah. they were already whooping our tail. Yeah, right. yeah. And I, I was telling him, "Man, you don't have to try that hard." He's like, <laughs> but he walks me. I get on first base. Before the game, we got two Mannies on our team. Uh-huh. Little Manny, about five foot four. Before the game says, hey, dude, this guy's got the nastiest pickoff I've ever seen in my life. He's left-handed. He's left-handed. Do not get off the bag. I thought he was, like, saying don't get too far off the bag. Right. He was saying don't get off the bag. <laughs> At all. Yeah. <laughs> don't like take a, your foot off the like bag. A, like a softball lead. Until you see the catcher catch the ball. I get down to first. Big Manny's at first. Big Manny says, hey, man, this guy's got the nastiest pickoff move I've ever seen. Don't get off the bag. It's like, I got, yeah, I got you. <laughs> So I get like four or five feet off the bag, and he goes to the plate, and I start my shuffle on here, and then I look up. It's like some out-of-body experience. The ball's coming at me. Really? Yeah. It almost hit me. Wow. Well, he overthrew it. I didn't even know he was picking off. He overthrew it, and I got the third on the on the overthrow pickoff. For perspective, in our entire life of playing baseball, there's never been a time where – it maybe happens once in your career where you don't know a pickoff from a left-hander's coming at you. You may realize late. Sure. Shane had no clue. Had no clue. The ball was on the way. I look up. Because it's that filthy. Yeah. Wow. It, it literally goes between me and the first baseman. Yeah. It was the next major leaguer. Yeah. Also. Wow. So, anyway. I was thinking maybe he just, like, threw it under his. No. <laughs> no it was just weird. It, it, it was. Just, I can't even explain it. Wow. So, anyways, let's get into – all right. Anybody well, we got to say, yeah, I'll do it. Right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I pray that the words that come out of our mouth honor you, Lord, and um, speak to those out there that are earning to follow you. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start with a question to lead into what I kind of wanted to chat about. If you really were to break down what our role or call is as believers— Give me a kindergarten answer. One, two things. So that's funny because I was actually thinking about that on the way here today. Really? Yes. Okay. And I and I and that's really odd that you brought that up because I was like, you know, what is our purpose driven life? What is our purpose here on earth? What exactly, you know? Um, and so, for me, it's God has us here. Uh, I think most of all because of of love. Okay, so. We're here to spread, uh, of course, the gospel, you know, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. and But we're also here to love and serve each other and to exhibit the characteristics of Christ. And whenever we do those things, that's where we find the most fulfillment in our lives. There's no other fulfillment, money, material things, 
no, I don't care what you accomplish, the emptiness that you will find after that if you don't have Christ to fill the void in your life, and if you're not doing what he intends for you to do, which is what's in the living word of God and what it, it, it explains that of how we should do things and how we should uh, carry ourselves throughout life, that's the only place we're going to find true fulfillment. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I was thinking about that on the way here because I thought it would be something great to talk about. All right. So, Shane, what about you? The basics, I think, are follow him and, and lead others to him. In those two things, which you both just said, which is some version of what I'd have said, what's the central theme of the, in that? Is it to share him, we have to do that with who? Other people. The lost. Okay, to love, we have to do that with? Fellowship with people. Right. Yes. So it's, it's people, right? Yeah. Uh, we have, yeah. Yeah. We're not called to be a hermit and seclude ourselves and alienate ourselves we're called to to fellowship. So how often do we prioritize relationships with other people? Not not our favorite people. Relationships with people. And do you mean like not like business wise too? I mean like anything. We're not getting something from it. I mean anything. How often do we look at an something any interaction with the person and go, Lord, work through me in this relationship? Not as often as no. we should. Okay. That's for sure. So who knows who Greg Popovich is? Basketball coach for the San Antonio Spurs for yeah. a while, right? Forever. Okay. Okay. Most people don't realize this. Greg Popovich has been the head of the most successful sports franchise, period, compared to the Cardinals, the Yankees, over the last 20 years of sports. Really? Okay. The they Spurs? 100%. Wow. wow. They went under that. the radar, didn't they? Yeah, well, they, did. it, they do, but they – I think is he still coaching? I think he's still the coach there. Um, I don't know. Here's the point tied to Greg Popovich. They studied, I'm reading a book called The Culture of Code, Code of Culture, one or the other. They studied, they wanted to know how often coaches in the NBA won the games they should win based off the talent they had. And they basically went back all the way back to 1979. And they literally said, okay, if I've got A, B, C, D player, should we go 82 and 8, whatever the games are they play? You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. And so they're tracking this. And they track every coach from 1979. And everybody pretty much has a variance that's on point. Yeah. Except for this one outlier. Mm -hmm. It's Greg Popovich. Mm. So they start diving into why. It's fascinating. Greg Popovich has, at the point of this book was written, there were seven different languages on his team, mm. okay, from, you know, different parts of the world, mm -hmm. all right? And this is a very short version, but this is my challenge to us. Be the Greg Popovich of believers that walk this earth for the Great Commission and sharing Jesus. And this is the fascinating piece about what separates him. And I'll give a very specific example. Um he loves uh, food and wine, okay? Now, I'm not saying Greg Popovich is a believer, but the story is fascinating on how he connects with his players. He has three basic things that he does often. He engages with his players individually. Mm -hmm. 
to the point where they describe him after a very tough loss, one of the toughest losses in one of the spans of their career when Tim Duncan was there. So he goes to Tim Duncan's house before they draft him, and he spends four full days in St. Croix, Virgin Islands, seeing his culture, uh, swimming, asking him, you know, you know, what drives him because he knows he's going to build a team around him. So he's building a rapport with this guy before he even drafts him. <clears throat> which is very uncommon because the NBA world is very short burst interactions. Mm-hmm. It's very transactional. Just like all sports, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and be thinking about how we walk for the Lord. Are we short burst transactional or are we long game, mm-hmm. you know, impactful? So they described him coming into the gym the day after one of their toughest losses. And he literally, the guy who played the worst, who was his point guard, he finds him almost first. And they, they say that he does this thing where he will literally, if this is the player, will get almost in their personal space. Oh, close talker. Uh-huh. And it's almost like a challenge of, you know how much I love you, but I'm making sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And he'll often do elbow touches and shoulder taps. And this is not like, this is just him. Mm-hmm. This is, and remember, he's the outlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. And guys describe him as having the ability to know that you are going to be coached and held accountable and truthfully spoken to at a level you've never expected before, but you're going to be loved even harder. And he said they go hand in hand. Mm. So game six of 2014 NBA finals, they're up on Miami Heat, LeBron James, they lose a heartbreaker like they're already getting the champagne out and everything. And they had a, a restaurant. So they go out to eat all the time. They do all these things together with the coaches, with the players. And he's always engaging in things related to those players. They lose this tough game. They think they're going to cancel the dinner reservation, which is very common for their thing. He says, no, we keep it. He goes there. He repositions the whole place to be sure that it's family-oriented when they come in. Now, this is new, not uncommon for their players. They're all distraught, but they, they come anyway. And even though it was they lose the next game to lose, they win the next year's championship, every guy in there knew that they were accepted. They knew that they belonged, and they knew because of the way he coaches that it was more about life than about basketball. Mm. And so – the thing that makes him an outlier is that he is different than every other person that leads an NBA team in the sense that it is not transactional, it's transformational. Mm, That's really cool. So for us as believers, can we live a transformational life for Christ? Because... And and I mean I'm I'm convicted on saying this. There are sometimes there are some people that just frustrate me because they're not as driven as me. They're not as uh, inclined to be a go getter. They haven't mm-hmm. seen what I've seen yet to be successful. And I'm sure people feel that way about me. But I discount them sometimes. Sure. And that is putting same the win. I do, I do the same thing. It's putting mm-hmm. the win before being sure that they're going to be in heaven with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. It's also like uh, we unintentionally judge people when we know that, like, there's only one judge. Right. And if we really simplified our scorecard for relationships 
and the accountability measure of us, can we be the Greg Popovich of Christ for Christ? Yeah. Are we going to be the outlier? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be like everybody else? Oh, you don't believe like me, so don't come to my church. I don't want you to come to me because you look different, you act different, you talk different, you dress different. Mm-hmm. Or am I willing to put in the long game of this ain't about me? I'm just a conduit. And the only way I can be a clean conduit from Christ to me to someone else is if my heart's clean. Or I'm going to muddy it up with all my baggage and garbage and junk. So my challenge to us and thought processes is, can we be the Greg Popovich of winning people for Christ? Mm-hmm. Be the outlier. That's pretty dang cool, man. That's good yeah. stuff. It really is. just makes you think about how it, it's so important to treat others the way you want to be treated, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the kindergarten and, and, version. And, and all, yeah, and all, in every situation, So you know, no matter what. I got to add this because you reminded me of this. So in the <laughs> same book, they took – they did an experiment, and they gave, like, spaghetti, uh, hard spaghetti, you know, not cooked yet, mar- a marshmallow and, like, some string. And the project was see how tall you can build something with the string, the hard spaghetti, but the only rule is the marshmallow has to be on top, and we're going to see who can build the tallest structure with the same materials. They gave it to kindergartners, CEOs, business majors, all these groups across all the places. Guess who always won? Probably the kindergartners for some <laughs> reason like they think outside of the box. Yeah. The kindergartners because nobody's wondering who is hierarchically where. Oh. It is literally <laughs> everybody's accepted. I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you've been the president before. I don't care if you make more money than me. It's literally let's have some fun together. So there's no sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To wade through. That's, yeah, that's interesting. So think about that as our walk with the Lord. We make it too stinking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love others. Be Christ-like. Well, Christ does not care where you come from. Just like Greg Poffitt doesn't care. He actually knows lang- He can speak all those languages. Wow. Because it's that Dang. important for him to form those relationships to be the outlier. Like to him, that's probably his just his wiring. That's his mo, his nature. Yeah, for to him, he's pro- he's probably like it's not a big deal. Well, and flip this the other way. If I have somebody sitting across from me, and my ultimate desire is for them to know Christ in any way possible, would I learn a new language if that's the only way I knew they could know Him? Hmm. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of people that yeah no are willing yeah. to take that right. that measure right. So that's good. good. Think about that today. Think about how you can reach others for Jesus, how we can get on their level and their language. And that language may not, it may be actually a different language. It may be a different mindset language, a different way to talk to somebody. How do we get on other people's level so that they can hear the good news? Appreciate y'all joining us today. Hit those buttons at the bottom. Help us reach more people for Jesus. Go kick the day in the face, and we'll catch you on the next one.